Welcome to Tone Catcher, a podcast where bands play live and talk about tone. I'm your host, Travis Hill. This week on the podcast, we have Timothy Arnold. While Tim is best known as a drummer for Good Old War, he also plays drums for Anthony Green's solo project and has a project of his own called Found Wild that he does with Keith from Good Old War. I don't know how I knew this, but Tim lives in Atlanta now, so I reached out, I got him on the show, he brought his kit to the studio, we had a conversation, we made samples, we talked gear, it was awesome. So without further delay, please enjoy this conversation with Tim Arnold. Okay, Tim, what's up? Hey. Thank you for doing this. My pleasure, honestly. So you're one of the first people that I've had on the podcast that I don't know personally. Really? So thank you for doing it. It's an honor. It's a weird thing to reach out online and be like, hey, I have a podcast. Do you want to come do it? Mm -hmm. I appreciate you breaking it in. Um, I'm about to have a lot more of those. Sweet. Um, I have some prepared icebreaker questions. Okay. Because we've been shooting the shit outside, but now we're on tape. Right. I get all nervous and everything. Yeah, let's break the ice. All right, I'm going to go I'm just going to go right in. Okay. How did you learn to play the accordion? <laughs> uh I I I didn't I wouldn't say I really learned how to play the accordion, but I taught myself because Keith and I from Good Old War, we were big fans of Jan Tiersen who did like the Amelie soundtrack. He's okay. like a really awesome accordionist, multi-instrumentalist and um I was wanted an accordion. I was like that's the coolest instrument. And yeah. then this girl I was dating at the time got me one. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I, I have to learn how to do this now. So I learned the left hand, which is all the buttons. So that acts as like kind of the chords and like the, they like do the chord changes basically. Okay. So I learned that for that one song, My Own Singing Ship. And then I was like, oh, I can now, like once I learn something, I like forget about it, right? I, I like, it's it's learned, learned to me after I stop thinking about doing it. So once I have that down, I'm like, all right, I'll just add drums in this. So like I was like playing with my right hand on the drums and accordion. And like that, I think, made me get better at like Damn. knowing where I was Wait, so go. left hand is how you're controlling the notes? The buttons, yeah. And, and then the what's right the... hand is like a keyboard. So what's the right hand do then? Melody usually, like a lead part or chord. Okay, so you can too. play them simultaneously. Yeah. And that's just like a piano? Right. So it's like a piano accordion. They have accordions with buttons on both sides, but this one has a piano on one so do you think as a drummer with like limb independence it helped you big time i mean you play piano also right yeah poorly but yes did you play piano before drums or Mm -hmm. you did i took like um piano lessons when i was a little kid okay so did you grow up in a musical family then pretty musical everyone like i have two older sisters and my eldest sister was like in operas and stuff like that. And she played like the tuba and, and stuff. Yeah. Um, my other sister just like is can sing and stuff. She never really pursued music though. Were your parents? Dad is a big Zappa freak and like big music collector fan. Sweet. My mom um, is like, she loves oldies and like Gordon Lightfoot and John Denver and shit. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, cool. Ice broken. Um, I guess I'll jump into how you're here i just for some reason obviously i told you out there in the studio i'm a big good old war fan Mm -hmm. and somehow knew that you lived in atlanta but i didn't know if you're from here or how you got here nope so you were from philly from philly which is where good old war started yeah dan and keith are still there what brought you here um family i have a daughter and her mom's from here so okay 
she's got a lot of family around here. My family's like all over the place, so it was kind of like, well, let's let's go to Atlanta because we have like a good tribe there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, How do you like it? Uh, it's okay. Yeah, it's hot. Uh, it's it's gets hot. I don't really know it that well because I don't really do much. <laughs> if I went out more and like partied like I used to, then I would probably be like, this is the greatest. But I don't really. I feel you. So it's fine. It's home. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Home is where my girls are at. Well, how long have you been here? This time around, almost a year. But I lived here like five years ago. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, um, for about a year and a half. You can pick up on how much it's changing. Big time, yeah. It's crazy. We man. lived in Cabbage Town when we first moved oh. here in like a duplex. It's like unrecognizable. Yeah, and it was cheap. It was like 800 bucks a month, and it was like a one and a half bedroom kind of deal, and it was amazing. Mm-hmm. And now it's like twice as much in rent. It's crazy. Yeah. Now that we're back in the past, uh, and you're telling me about growing up in Philly, I never listened to this band, but every time I bring up Good Old War to my friend Ben Cato, mm-hmm. um, he's like, yeah, man, Days Away. Mm-hmm. So that was like the band that got you guys started? Yeah, that was me and Keith. And cool. um, that was like Keith's band from high school. And I wasn't in the band until like a year after we graduated high school. Cool. And I started on keyboards. And then <laughs> they fired their drummer and they, they got me as the drummer. Okay, cool. Yeah. Was it like actual piano parts or are you like the synth player? I was just like, yeah, one finger on one note with oh, like a pitch bender. Gotcha. Like just there. I remember that era. You did? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when I was in high school playing in local bands, there was always a few bands that had that a the core player? set of musicians and then their friend they let in the band to play synth. You <laughs> that know? was me. That was me. Yeah. <laughs> so at that time when you were playing keys in that band, you were a drummer behind the scenes, I guess. Oh, yeah. Cool. Did I, it kill I, you? Um, Sometimes. It was like kind of fun, though. I, I was just like fuck off and like smoke cigarettes on stage and get drunk before every performance <laughs> yeah. and stuff so it was like pretty uh low pressure low pressure yeah but then i mean once I, <laughs> I joined the band for real and was like the drummer i still did those same things it was just like i i knew what i was doing you yeah. know what i mean low pressure yeah <laughs> kindred spirits man i say preach all the time yeah I tried to find it on Spotify. I don't think... Does it days exist? Away? Yeah. Yeah. It's there? It's weird. It's in two different Days Aways, though. There's Days Away with our record, our full-length record, Mapping an Invisible World. And then there's another Days Away with our EP that we did with Sergeant House. Oh, cool. Yeah. I was just about to ask how serious you guys were. So you were signed to Sergeant House. Well, we were signed to Lava Records, which I don't even know if that exists anymore, but that's a mm-hmm. subsidiary of Atlantic. We, okay. we like got a record deal when we were, you know dumb and young and we totally fucked it up how old were you when that happened Uh, 21 and i was like a raging lunatic (laughs) like all my money was gone in like five months really yeah when i was that age all i wanted to do was be in a signed band and me too it was really fun and magical and special and like a dream come true but also my other main goal was to get as fucked up as possible (laughs) for some reason yeah man i i partied way more than I do now that I tour a lot. I'm thankful for that, mm-hmm. you know, because that environment can really let you go. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I was let go. Yeah. So days away, and that somehow transitions into Good Old War. Yep. What happened with that band, and how did Good Old War start? We, we, I mean, we all partied really hard all the time. So I'm honestly like, and it, this was told to us by a bunch of people like that we had just like a bad reputation of being like annoying drunk people on every tour. Like a lot of cool bands would take us on tour 
And some we'd become really good friends with and like party with and stuff. And others are like, dude, you guys need to chill out. Like you're being insane backstage every night. It's like too much for us. Yeah. So we didn't give a fuck. And we would like fuck with everybody and like make fun of people all the time. (laughs) Like Philly boys, you know, like we would like, we're sarcastic every time. So no one would take us on tour anymore. They were like, you guys are too much of a liability. You're too wild. Great band, but you're just too crazy. So eventually like the money dried up. There were no more tours we didn't really give a shit like we were just like we wouldn't like try and push our merch we would just play the show and get fucked i often think it's kind of a curse to get signed too young yeah for the reason you're stating and also this is speaking on my behalf but you're not really developed in terms of what you really like and then say your band blows up and you don't like the music that you've been writing right you're kind of stuck (laughs) there you know exactly which in some cases i guess works out and i'm sure we could cite a lot of examples but yeah i think back to the songs i wrote when i was in college i'm just like i cringe at all of them and i'm so glad none of that worked out because i yeah. i would quit the band because i could never play him you know what i'm saying yeah well luckily we had help like uh mapping invisible world we had this amazing producer neil avron who like helped us oh damn you went to neil avron yeah who else he did uh he did like um fallout boy i think and not like yellow boy. card and stuff. yeah yellow card uh lesson jake all Sick. those pop punk bands that was yeah. like the world we lived in we weren't really that punky it was yeah. more of like psychedelic pop punk it was weird no one a lot of people didn't like that's interesting understand. you say that i didn't realize that i had like a psychedelic i, I really yeah, want to check I mean, it out now we we tried you know what i mean yeah. i'm not sure that it was totally successful but i think it was i mean it was we had a lot of fun but the reason we stopped playing was because our keyboard player um brian gula who wrote a lot of songs with us like as a like it was mostly, mostly him and keith who did all the songwriting, he quit. And we were just like, all right, well, let's just do something else. And then it took like a year for us to just like meet people and like kind of just like take a break and get jobs and stuff. And then Keith met Dan, who I had known through a girl I was dating. He was friends with her. I met Dan. And then Keith wanted to record Dan's band, who I joined it's oh. kind of like a weird web that we created. So is Keith the recording guy? Yeah, he, he likes to do like home recordings and stuff. Word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Yeah. Man, every band I know that has had at least a little bit of success has someone in the band the guy, that, yeah. that it likes that kind of thing. Yeah, we did all our demos with Keith. And like those last EPs that we did were a lot of it was Keith. Really? Yeah. They sound good. Yeah. Did he mix them? I think Jason Cup mixed uh, most of it. Okay. I don't know the... If I'm wrong about that, it's going to suck. But I th- I think that's the case. I know Jason did, he produced and did um, the first EP. And then I can't remember if he mixed, I'm pretty sure he mixed the rest of it. Cool. But he did not produce it. Good old war starts. Uh-huh. And y'all are banned for, let's see, it's coming up on 11 years. I, I'm just going based on your discography, mm-hmm. 2008 to 2019 currently. Uh-huh. When's the last tour you guys did? Uh, almost a year ago, like coming up. I remember that because I was wanted in the winter to... and it was misery. <laughs> yeah, you guys played Birmingham and uh, microwave. That place is awesome, by the way. The is city or Star the Bar? Is it Star Lounge or whatever? I haven't played there. It's really cool. Cool, great venue. Awesome. How was the turnout room. there? It's usually decent. We there's like that's like is that the only club in Birmingham? I have no idea. I know that's like B Market. Yeah, or maybe even C. No, I have it's no B. Idea. I think it's a solid B. Yeah. <laughs> Atlanta being the A of that, right? Yeah. Were you guys headlining on that run? Uh-huh. Cool. Oh, yeah. It was with us in Beta Band. Cool. 
Or not beta band, beta radio. That's right. Yeah. I remember that show flyer. Yeah. We were about to leave for tour and Rach and I were trying to go see you guys. She went to see you in Atlanta. Y'all are a band for us that she likes a whole bunch of music and so do I. And they sometimes don't, the Venn diagram doesn't always Connect. include a lot of bands, but you guys are for sure one of the bands that we try I feel to go like see together. pretty common with good old war fans. Really? We're like a, a relationship band. <laughs> like, <laughs> hey, that's like, cool, man. Amazing Eyes is like the wedding song for a lot of people. You yeah, know I, I mean? can see that. Thank is that you. 12 string? Yes. Okay. Cool guitar loves tone. The, the 12 string. Yeah, it's dope. Yeah. I love the way that record sounds, by the way. Me too. Jason Cup. Cool. I'm going to check him out. You should check him cause out. Because I, I don't know the name. He's until, very good. Until now. Um, I love the drums on that, especially. Me too. You know what we, we call so that? They're so tight sounding. We, uh, so basically we would lay down a, a beat and then do a bunch of percussion over it. Yeah. And what I, I had like a massive setup of like all the percussion in the studio plus stuff we brought with us. So I had just like, I had like six sleigh bells, right? A ton of cowbells, all these different shakers and like congas and bongos and stuff. And we would just play the track and I would be like, all right, I'm going to do a shaker track and just go, you know, the whole time. And I'm like, I'm going to do a woodblock track. And then we would do like seven different like percussion tracks through. Was it just like impromptu? Yeah, pretty cool. much. And um, like they would change too throughout the song. Like I would do like a clave beat and then like by the end of it, it would be nothing near what I started with. But Jason would pick certain things out and we called it weaving the tapestry, the beat tapestry. Oh, cool. So we would just like add stuff in everywhere and like, do you know the band Maps and Atlases? I know the band name. The album they did, Beware and Be Grateful, was recorded at um, ARC, which is the place we did in Mike Mogus' studio. And we did the exact same thing. They called me in so that I could weave the beat tapestry oh, cool. with them. Yeah. That's awesome. It's pretty sweet. You got to uh, trademark that, the beat the tapestry. Beat tapestry. Oh, well, that's what I want to do. I'm like looking for people in this town who want to weave a beat tapestry with me. Let's, Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> Hell <laughs> that's yeah. what I'm saying. What I want to do now is like, what this is what I like daydream about all the time is to just make a record that is like, for a lot a lot of the tunes in Good Old War and stuff, it was like, okay, what's the catchiest thing we can do? Or like, what's like gonna be like really, really good? You know what I mean? Y'all crushed be... that, by the way. <laughs> well, we worked really hard on it, you know? It was like, that was the goal. We wanna make super catchy tunes, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? But I wanna do just a record that is just insane, like totally ego-less, like doesn't have some type of like finishing point like there's no finish line it's just like can be meandering can be like insane gibberish like i don't even know i just want to like do something completely creative that has no limitations on it whatsoever i love that yeah just like really strange stuff that is no one's gonna like yeah <laughs> <laughs> for well, some reason i do so you play piano accordion and drums mm -hmm. you play guitar yeah a little bit I and play sing, all that other stuff besides drums like pretty mediocrely. Word. Is that a word? Do you record on your own? Like, do you have No, demo? but I'm going to start. I want to try. I'm, I got a computer and I need like an interface and stuff like that. Yeah. But like, I'm going to, I want to get into it because I need to just do something. Yeah, know? I feel that. Yeah. I'm talking about good old war right now. You know who helped good old war immensely? Tell you me. Know, Anthony Green, you know who that is? I was just about to ask you about him because I know you play in his yeah. acoustic that was live like, band, right? Yeah, when Good Old War started was basically when his solo side project started. Oh, really? So we were like his band and our own band and he brought us on tour. We were like the band opening and his band. And it was like, that's where it all got. Did you play on those bands. records, by the way? Yeah. You did? Everyone, yeah. That's my boy. Y'all just got off tour. Yeah. How was it? Amazing. 
That's awesome, man. It's always different every time we play, too. Like, a different lineup, different, like, sound goal, you know what I mean? Like, sometimes we want to make it real, like, acoustic and, like, very stripped down. But this is, like, he's playing electric. Um, our friend Anais is, like, playing electric guitar, and he's playing bass, and I'm playing drums. And it's very, like, um, I don't know, it's almost like soul, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, R&B at times. It's pretty cool. Did y'all play Atlanta on that? I think I was gone. No, we didn't. Did. We didn't. I wanted to come to that. I remember when that that solo record came out. I was like, which Damn, one? The first the, the one. The first did? one that he did. Avalon. I remember when Sayasin that first EP dropped, mm -hmm. and then then Circus of Vive starts. Uh -huh. I think because that was before the solo thing, right? Yeah. And then it's just like, damn, this guy just keeps putting out. Yeah, uh, it's all good too. Like that's it's like King is, you know, it's the same kind of deal. Like how how is it possible? He's doing all these different things, and they're all like, this is really good. I know some people like that. Anthony's more high profile, which I think helps because people know of Circus of Ives. So mm -hmm. if he says something about a new project, people are going to listen. Yeah, and sell or, tickets and stuff like that. So yeah. it's not going to be a drag. <laughs> yeah, it bums me out to see like really good talent yeah. just kind of wither away. You it know, happens. Well, a band that comes to mind for me that I loved that I thought should have been huge mm -hmm. and wasn't is Love Drug. Do you remember them? <laughs> Days Away's toured with them twice. Those are my boys. Hell I, yeah. Do you know them? I don't. Oh, uh, yeah, they were great. I remember touring with them and they were opening for us or something like that. And it was like, we weren't prepared for that or, or something. It was like, we were on a tour together and we were both opening. It was like, this band is going to be huge. That's what I thought. Yeah. I was like, he is so like, charismatic. You know what I mean? Like, I forget the lead singer's name. Michael. Michael, yeah. Like, yeah. just such a cool front man, too. I was less aware of what it meant to be successful on tour and like tickets sold, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I was just there to like, love the show you know uh -huh. i was like strictly a fan and um i guess looking back i can see like well yeah they headlined the old masquerade and the room was half full and that's on a record cycle you they should have been blowing up on uh -huh. and it kills me you know it's like yeah. really good bands can go not as far as bands that aren't that good yeah. you know i, I feel think, like that kind of happened with good old war to be honest with you really like towards the end we weren't selling as many tickets as we what were uh y'all did terminal west on your headliner which is where i saw you last which is like a 650 cap yeah is which that is good that was good for us yeah headlining in atlanta you know what i mean yes we could probably do bigger numbers but like the last philly show we played was in like this t like pretty small room whereas like what was it it was called it's called um johnny brenda's it's a really cool spot. Okay. It's a real neighborhoody, like Philly spot. But yeah. um, like we sold out the TLA, which is like a 1300 cap room on New Year's. Shit. And you know, that was like peak good old war. Yeah. What record right, cycle was that on? I think that was right after uh, Come Back as Rain. So we were like on fire. But it's weird. Like we just kind of like shit changed. You know, yeah. I left the band for a little while, mm -hmm. did some shit, um, went to rehab and all that shit. So I wasn't even part of that fourth record. Um, come back or not come back as rain um, broken into better shape I was gone for that I basically bailed um, and then I came back and it was like it was fun but mm. like we were we were like it wasn't as like on fire as it was before yeah. you know what I mean what was it like for you coming back and having been part of the songs on previous records and playing stuff that was kind of like new to you you know yeah well I mean there were a few that I did help write because it was like demoing and stuff and I was there for all that okay um so i kind of was like oh i know this song you know i wrote gotcha. that lyric you know what i mean or like okay so you're still part of it just not really some touring of the, tunes, in the band. yeah yeah uh other it was it was fun it was like playing a cover song or something you know and after a yeah. while it didn't even feel that way it was just like this is a good old war song you yeah know? yeah so with the anthony green thing you said he helped you guys out was that do you mean that 
he took good old war out on yeah so you guys supported those early tours with uh-huh. him. yeah Hell i think yeah. we even did a circuit tour like a small really? one maybe um a lot of that beginning stuff is a little hazy for me but um yeah he was huge he's huge for our band it was like he promoted us basically it was like telling all of his fans like you guys need to love this band too and they did for good and reason that was like well thank you but yeah. like then we could after that we played like a show at this place called the north star bar and it was like the first show we ever sold out where was that that was in philly and i know it was a lot of anthony green fans really yeah hey man whatever I'll it take takes it. Yeah, yeah it was all i was i'm so grateful still am because he's you know still calls me up to play shows with him and stuff even though i lived all the way down here and he's that's in so sick Pennsylvania. yeah oh okay i have a thought i gotta get it out right now keith played bass in the last run right uh-huh and on your records, is there actual bass guitar or is it good synth old war? Bass? Yeah, mostly synth bass. But yeah, we we tried to keep it simple. I mean, it was a struggle for me sometimes because I was trying to weave the beat tapestry. So, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like putting all this stuff on there. But like, I mean, that became, you want to hear those bass pushes here and there? Yeah, I mean, it was like, but that was cool because he was playing like, you know what I mean? And it was like very, you could put a lot of stuff over top of that without it being too busy. You right, know I mean? it was cool. It made for a cool live aesthetic. I agree. Because, I mean, you, just, you would just be it's playing different. root notes on a bass, you yeah. know? And uh, it's kind of constricting. He's not like a front man, like, what the fuck is up, Warp Tour, you know? No. But uh, but he's a singer, you know what I mean? Yeah. He wants, he, when he, like, performs, he wants to sing, you know what I mean? I, I think if it, was, if it was, like, if he had his druthers, he probably would have hired someone to play those bass parts if he wanted to spend that money, you know what I mean? Because yeah. he was always like, ah, oh, let's just do this acoustic and, like, that would allow him to not have to do that. You know what I right. mean? Cause he, he's, you know, a sensitive man and he wants to like, and I mean that in like a very respectful way. He like, likes to zero in on like acute details of his voice and stuff. And that's why he always sounds so great. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And you know, I think that was a challenge for him too. Did you guys use ears? On I, tour? No, we did on a Josh Ritter tour that we did. I, okay. I never even did. I was like, okay. I'm good. Keith would have been on ears the entire time, but like, it's just, a lot of money and you need a sound guy and like you need your own whole setup basically to do it so i've seen the extreme version of that where mm-hmm. people do the split snake and they have their own mixes yeah. and they pump out which is like, how we would we would have probably yeah. wanted to do it but like i don't know um, it's a lot of money it's a lot of money it's a lot of work and like i feel like if it went wrong during a show i would be so upset you know mm. like if like some something weird happened and like a, my headphones just cut out i would be like this sucks so yeah. bad so I don't know. We just weren't like at that level where we had like our own monitor guy and like, but it's definitely the way to go. I remember we toured with Alison Krauss and we got to hear all their like ear mixes and it was so weird to like hear what they had in their monitors and stuff. Like oh, really? Allison only had her vocals in it basically. Only? Yeah. Damn. Maybe like weird. But she also stuff. had like, I mean, that was like a mega band. It was like, we played like Greek theater and stuff with that. But um, what was the biggest support tour you guys did? That was definitely one of them. Cool. Um, Didn't you do a Goo Goo Dolls tour? No, we did a Count of Crows tour. That's what it was. Yeah. How was that? That was probably so cool. It was pretty cool. Were those big shows? Big shows, but he switched it up on us at the last minute. We were supposed to be main support, and he had two other bands on the... Or, so it was three openers, but he decided that it would be a good idea to like do a round robin kind of thing, uh. whereas like, we would be main support, and then the next night we'd be first, and then the next night we'd be second, and then the next night we'd be third. Yeah. And we were like, It was just like not what we signed up for. But that was a big. I was definitely a big tour. I'm not trying to complain. How how big were the rooms on that? They were all like outdoor shows, so big. Wow. Yeah. Allison Krauss was huge. Brandy Carlisle was. We did like two Brandy Carlisle to- tours, and those were probably like the best 
shows for us in terms of selling CDs and merch and stuff. Right. We were like just raking in cash for some reason. That's Brandy cool, Carlisle man. fans. You know, that's really funny nice thing. Us. When you're not headlining, you don't really have any metric to look back on the show. It's true. Besides merch numbers. Yeah. And we were and, crushing it on those merch yeah, but, doors. Yeah, which is awesome. Yeah. But when you're a band that's starting to make money, you're stoked on that. But it's like, yeah. you really want the really good show in terms of crowd response to be what you care about. But it's, I don't think you, you're considered a sellout to want to make money on tour. It's like, that's how you live your life. Like, wouldn't you rather just do that and not have some fucking dumb job Absolutely. when you get home? Like, when we were making money, I was stoked. And I guess like once you do actually make money, at least in my experience, it was after a while of being poor, a right. while of just eating gas station food, sleeping in the van, like every night. Are you just... a pilot guy or a loves guy? I'm honestly neither of them, but um, I'd probably say him. loves. I'd probably say loves, loves. I guess. Yeah. The coffee's better. Yeah. <laughs> it's all trash. It really it is. is. But now nowadays, our, our new uh, routine is Whole Foods every day. Solid. Yeah. It's expensive. You a salad bar? Yeah. You got to. It's like almost mandatory at this point. Yeah. We're all about health and wellness. I bring my yoga mat on tour. It's great. And we try to sleep. Most of us are trying to sleep as much as possible. Yeah. Yeah. I guess early on, hotels every night. Yeah. We crash with people sometimes now, but... In the beginning we did. And it was fun because we were like partying and stuff. But like now that I'm not partying, it sounds... You never know what you're going to get. Sometimes it's (laughs) it's really bad. Oh yeah. I've been there. It's not (laughs) cool. (laughs) Oh man, yeah, yeah. Hotels are just consistent. Yeah, and, and uh, you, you get know, a shower, shower, you get a bed. It's great. You can shave and just leave it. Uh huh. You know? Yeah, it's great. Damn, we've drifted everywhere. So we were talking about you and Keith just now with like the bass. Let's talk about your side project, I guess. Found uh-huh. Wild. Yeah, yeah. How'd that come about? Tell me about that. That was um, me and Keith had. Uh, we've always like kind of just like every time we'd hang out since he had all the recording stuff at his house, we'd be like, let's just dick around and do some songs and stuff and we originally were gonna do like some weird like r&b kind of sounding like like electronic beats uh with me singing lead like that was the idea like let's just get you on like some lead stuff okay and keith would do like, you sing lead on some of those songs i found wild it's all i'm i'm all the lead you're all the lead mm-hmm. wow i yeah. did not realize that really i was listening to it last night i was in the shower so it wasn't like in right. here in front of studio yeah, yeah. monitors but i was like huh Keith sounds different, you know. But <laughs> well, I didn't know harmonies like, and stuff. Cool. Um, there's and like our friend Allison Wadsworth doing harmonies too, and like there's, a you know, a couple group harmonies and stuff like that. But um, yeah, hell yeah, that's like, it was like a chance for us to switch it up. Keith could like, kind of relax, and I I was like gonna do some lead vocals, and he had like, it was really strange how it happened because he was like, I can get the studio time, but I it's in a week. And I and we need to write all these songs. So we like sat down for like three days and wrote all those songs, like lyrics and everything, and then just recorded them. How many songs is on that? Six. How many songs are on that? How many songs are on that? <laughs> Six. Got to get my grammar right. <laughs> Six songs. Yeah. And Dude. it was fun. It was really fun. We had all like uh, the the um, the best players in Philly who I knew. I was gonna say some rippers on that shit. Yeah. Well, you're a fucking shredder on drums well, for one. You. Did you track drums on that? Mm-hmm. I'm assuming cool. And that was super soft because we did it all live, so I had to play like you did. extremely quietly with oh, this. God. I wanted to bring up. It sounds like super Nashville to me. Yeah, like, in I terms think of like the yeah. quality and the slide on like every song. Yeah, Andy Keenan. That's cool. He's our boy. He did a bunch of stuff on Good Award too. Speaking of us being in Atlanta and having mentioned Nashville, 
uh-huh. and slide guitar. You know, have you heard of the band Larkin Poe? It's two sisters. I feel like I have heard of that band. I don't think I've ever listened to them, no. They're like bluesy, awesome players. Sweet. And it's fucking great. Yeah. I would reach out to them in this podcast, but they've blown up to the point where I'd get ignored, you know? Right. And you they never like know. tour with like Keith Urban, I think. You never know. You never know. You got to they're, me, man, and I'm re- on a different stratosphere. You know what I mean? Well, we won't go into what that took at, <laughs> to get you on this podcast. Um, is that just kind of like in your free time kind of thing? Um, Are y'all pushing that project? Yeah, I mean, we did an Anthony Green tour. We did Found That's Wild, right. Good Old War, Anthony Green, which was crazy because Keith and I were doing triple duty every Trip night. Trip dude, man. Trip dudes. <laughs> and we were dead. But I remember just... I, I was like, we worked so hard on that tour. And when I got home, I was like, I just immediately got sick. How were you I traveling on that? Were it was you... a van too. And we was like bus routing because we were going to do a bus. And the last minute, Anthony's like, no, we're just going to do a van. So, it so was did like y'all all take the same, drives. same van or like share transportation? Yep. Mm-hmm. Damn. Did you split the driving? Sometimes. I rarely drive cool. for some reason. I, I, get, I got like this stigma where i'm like a, a erratic irresponsible driver from okay. back in my wild days which is not true anymore but yeah You're listening come this on man guys. can drive i can drive <laughs> um we're just talking about touring and sleeping and stuff and mm-hmm. just i'm gonna let homer in he's yeah he's let crazy. homer in he, he's whining hi come on, come on homer hi hi yeah homer should be in this I usually leave these little segments in because it explains the really heavy breathing in the background. We'll fall and uh, I tend to point it out. But one time, Rachel was listening back. He's like, Trav, you're breathing in the mic real hard. I'm like, no, that's Homer. Because I thought I was too. And I was like, Homer's cool. I can't edit that out. It's a great dog. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we, uh, we've had two opportunities to have like a sleeper situation yeah. on tour. Game changer, man. Huge. Yeah. Especially, I heard like nightmares. I never did a warp tour, but I heard if you do a warp tour in a van, it's like the worst experience uh, dude, of your life. I could not imagine. Yeah. So, have you guys done like bus tours or? Uh huh. Hell yeah. It was fun. Which ones were those on? That was Anthony. Oh, sick. Anthony shows. We never did a good old war bus tour. We were very stingy with our money and we wanted to pay ourselves. That's so. the way to be, man. It is. Every time I die, I wrote an article about that about hire as little crew as possible That's exactly for as long did. as you can. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a blue collar job. You know, you can't treat yep. it like, the money's not, from my perception, I haven't been doing this for like 20 or 30 years, but from my angle, it seems like if you want to sustain a career, you got to really be tight with your finances, yep. you know? In a bus, and a bandwagon, that's like $450,000 a day. It's not, it's too much. If you're not making like, and we were doing okay, you know, we were making decent guarantees, but it's so worth it when you come off tour with like a lot of money and you get to like just sit on that for however long, whereas opposed to like you come off with not a lot of money and they start panicking by the time the next tour comes around. Yeah. You're like, fuck, I need to make money now. Fans don't really realize that you can't tour as much as they might want you to, you know? No, you physically cannot. Physically. We did a ton of touring though. I mean, I remember one year we, we did like, it must have been eight months, just straight touring. That's yeah. Sergeant House days when she was just like, "Yep, put them on tour." And is we that good old war? Lot. Is that good days, old war? Yeah, Days Away did a lot of touring too. But I think we're averaging since I've been playing with like six months out of that's the year. Really good. It's manageable. This yeah. past year, we uh, kind of finished the album cycle and recorded the new record, and so it's been. I mean, it's October now. We've done maybe six weeks on the road, so it's been a lot of time off. It's been yeah. cool. Do you freak out when you have a lot of time off or no? Do you like it? 
I like it. I, yeah. I tend to freak out. Well, I've got the studio and stuff. I really That's love true, yeah. doing a lot of different things. Yeah. So as much as I love touring, I, I like recording and yeah. doing this podcast, you know. Sweet. Um, I mean, that's what, every time I'm on tour for a while, I'm like, I got to get off this road. I need to go home now. Yeah. And then when I'm home for like more than a month, I'm like, I need to get out of here. Now. <laughs> <laughs> I got to go. We had the same van for the entire 10 years. Really? Yeah. How many miles did you put on it? Like over 250,000. Damn. Did you buy it new? It had like, it was the craziest deal. It was like some weird, like mystical occurrence where this girl who was doing our publicity knew a band who just quit and they bought a brand new van with like 10, 15,000 miles on it and they sold it to us for seven grand and that was the Holy van. And it had this like limited um, uh engine in it. It was like a V10 and like yeah. every time we took it to a mechanic, they're like, I'll buy that engine from you. They don't really? make that engine anymore. Still have it? Keith sold it to his neighbor. Yeah, two hundred fifty thousand miles. Though I mean, you got yeah, it's like a church van now. Before we talk too long, I do want to jump into the tone zone and uh-huh. talk drums and everything. Yeah. So, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the tone zone. Today we have Tim Arnold. Tim, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. <laughs> it's great to be here. That actually worked out pretty well, I think. Good for those of you who are listening. Tim is now in the studio. I'm in the control room. And he's behind his Masters of Maple kit. Yep. Uh, can you expand on that? Tell us about what you brought in and what we're listening to. Okay. Um, so this is my it's my newer kit. He's made me two kits so far. And this is Zeracote, which is a crazy exotic wood that looks oh, wow. really nice. Yeah. But it's Masters of Maple. Um, Sahar uh, Hanif is the uh, owner of the company. He, he builds all the drums. It's a very, he, he does a lot of touring um, production stuff with like pretty huge bands, but um, when he gets home, he makes awesome drums too. And this was, uh, I wanted a kit that had concert toms, so no bottom heads because I'm over it. I'm sick of tuning bottom heads on toms. Can I stop you for a <laughs> sure. second? Tell us why. Why do you not like bottom heads? Because they always go, boom. Hmm. See how that doesn't do that? Especially with floor toms, it was like the bane of my existence was having to tune floor toms. We have described them as being farty yeah, on this podcast. I don't want any farts on my drums. That's what I'm saying. Um, so I was like, you know what? I'm done. Because I, I, eventually I would like, when we were in the studio, I would just take the bottom heads off. But I wanted it to look nice. And like sometimes when you have those lugs without heads and tension rods in them, they start to rattle a little bit. So it's kind of hard to do it without a head on the bottom. So yeah, this was my Phil Collins concert tom kit. And I love it. And it's an acrylate snare that he calls the trash talk snare. What's the material it's made out of? The uh, the snare? Yeah. I think it's aluminum. It's a six lug head too, which is really cool in my opinion. Six lugs? Yeah. Usually they're like 10, right? Easy to tune. While we're talking about tuning, um, oh, my cat got locked in here. Melvin made it. Hey, Melvin. Uh, let's talk about tuning um, because obviously you know what you're doing and you're particular about your drum sound. What are some tips that you have? What are principles that you'd buy by when you're tuning your drums? Um, honestly, I don't have like a method per se. I, I mute a lot. Um, I feel like I get it to a certain point. I, I do like the the cross method where you do like one lug and then you do the one directly across from that and you go in like a star pattern. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So I do that and I get it to a point where I'm like, oh, that sounds cool. And then I just mess with it and then I just, uh, you know, um, uh, muffle it. So I have a... a a bandana just at the top one 
you know, like top little section of my snare drum held on by like paper clips. Uh, and then I have some moon gels on my rack tom. And then I have a, um, a Roots EQ like drum ring and some gaff tape on the floor tom. So they're all pretty modified and muffled semi-heavily. What I noticed is those heads are not super new. No, they're not. <laughs> and and there's definitely a vibe to that that's cool. Yeah. Um, do you ever tune to uh, the key of a song? No, never. And normally what I would do, like say I'm in the studio with Jason Cup, who did Come Back as Rain. I just have him tune everything. Because he, I always, uh, you know, tend to tune my snare drum up pretty high. And he's more of like a big fat kind of snare sounding thing. So I'm just like, you know what, you just do it. I mean, I could get there eventually, but I usually just crank my snare and then play on it until, and somehow um, it like adjusts itself to where I want it. Like if it's too high, I'll play on it and it'll, I guess it'll loosen it up and then it'll get to a point where I'm like, oh, this is perfect. So the kit that you're playing is the the sizes, I guess we'll go around the room here in a second, but it's mm -hmm. a small kit. Yes. Is that a 10-inch rack? It is, yeah. I also have a 12-inch rack, but I didn't bring it. Do you normally play with both of them? Um, I'm in a Primus cover band in Philly and I do when I do that. <laughs> but other <laughs> like, than that. For real, you are? Yeah. And we, we kill it too. We're called Los Bastardos. I'm gonna uh, link that in the show notes. <laughs> you should. Are y'all a thing? Like it has a yeah. A we presence? played like three shows. That's so sick. Yeah, and we we rip it. Honestly, we cool. do a lot of jamming too, like improvisation. So while we're on the subject of heads, mm -hmm. what do you have on there? I have. I I went out on. I tried something different with the snare. I have a Power Stroke coated um, on here, and I, I'm not in love with it. I usually just do ambassadors. Cool. Coated ambassadors, and I do an Evans hydraulic head on the floor tom. Usually, I usually do all the toms with Evans hydraulics. What's the reason for that? They're just easy to tune, in my opinion, and they gotcha. don't ring out too hard. Okay, I don't know. They're just kind of buttery, and I like that. I noticed you have a moon gel on your rack tom. You have a moon gel, and you also have like—is that one of those sticky hands? No, it's it's an old <laughs> moon gel that has like deteriorating. It's yeah. like discolored and everything. Uh, yeah, it's like it's slimy. <laughs> it's kind of gross. Sorry. Hey, man. It's all about how it sounds. Yeah. But no, I have two moon gels on. One is like an old moon gel that like I should just throw away, but I just keep putting it on every time. Whatever yeah. sounds I'm best. I'm not trying to buy new moon gels, you know what I mean? Yeah. Baller on a budget. Cool. Um. So I think what we'll do now, or actually, do you want to talk about your symbols? Well, sure. You, you have your whole setup in here. Uh-huh. I have um the sand hi-hat, the, the Byzance sand hats, which are really sweet for like, Nice, like, uh, you know, good chick, um, like real, uh, not too sizzly sound. Right. Real tight sound. I also played the Karopi, um, Zildjian ones, which are like the best in my opinion for like stuff like Good Old War where I'm like mostly just using my left foot, keeping time with the hi-hat. Those are really nice, like jazz cymbals too. Like they do with like a lot of good left foot stuff. These are more for like, you know what I mean? Um... They're really smooth and like, I don't know. I love them. I found round them. is maybe the word I yeah comes to mind when you hear them. They're just good, straight yeah. up. Like they're just good symbols. Um, I have an HH Ozone, eighteen inch Sabian, that I got on Sweetwater for cheap. Is that the one with all the holes in it? Yeah. Is it just for a volume thing? No, I think it's to make it sound more washy. It's there. It's very hip to do this. Okay. Like that's what like a lot of people are doing with like. They have like those weird symbols with holes in them and stuff. It just, 
It kind of almost makes it like China-esque, but like not too abrasive. You know what I mean? I like it. And the sweet ride, a 21-inch sweet ride, which is like the only ride symbol I use. It's the best, man. It I is. have that exact same symbol. I want a 23-inch one, but that'll come eventually. Just so expensive. Yeah. I guess I'll go around, around, the, around the kit. I don't know the best way to do this, but the way I've been doing it in previous sessions is just giving like a few hits on the kick, a few hits on the snare, mm-hmm. and so forth, rack, then floor. And then I'll have you just play a groove. Okay. Um, and if there's anything you want to you comment on as you're doing that, your mic is rolling. So, okay. Um, just go for it, man. Let's let's hear the individual drums first. Okay. Um, well, what I usually like to do when I because sometimes Keith and I will build beats and um, we'll do basically what we're about to do is just record each drum and then like put them together like we're with the drum machine. You know what I mean? Um, so I like to do like a hard, you know, this normal what I would like. This is like. You know, right? Uh, but like, I also like to get a little bit of this too. You know, so you have you have both. You know, normally with the genres that I do, I only do the hard kit. But when we get these samples, I for sure want to get the softer velocities from you. Yeah, because you got a lot of feel in the way you play, and I right. think it makes the difference. It's musical. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that's this is my my this is a twenty inch um, kick. I used to have this like a twenty two by twenty two kick, and it was. Um, Jason, who did our records, it was like his least favorite thing of mine. Oh, really? So I downsized and like he was very happy. So now I just do the 20 by like 16 or I think Why did he not like that? It was just too much noise because it was so long, you know, and it was like so boomy and like he couldn't get it, like he couldn't get it dialed in. Gotcha. You said 22 by 22. Yeah, it was like a huge, it was huge. I feel that. Yeah. So this is just manageable and like always good. Sounds good. It sounds great. I love it. And you got that acrylite snare. Uh-huh. Let's hear that sucker. Yeah, that's tuned high, but yep. it sounds cool. Um, speaking of tuning, is this kind of like the what the good old war? I, well, you said you yeah. play with brushes, so I guess that impacts the way you play, but... Well, the brushes... Like, I don't do... like. Oh, wow, that's the brush there. Yeah, so I hit pretty hard with... Like, remember how we talked about how Keith's a soft singer? This is yeah. the reason I played with brushes for 10 years, because he didn't want loud drums. So he's like, all right, you can play, but you have to do brushes. And I was like, all right, cool. And then I just eventually would... You know? Dude, if I heard a sample of just the hard hit, I would not suspect that is a brush. I know. I wrap them in gaff tape. Any tips on playing with brushes for people out there? Um, I bet a lot of people who are really good at brushes would probably say like my technique is is weird and off, but like I just wrap them up so they don't break on me and play them like sticks. And like okay. I u- utilize the bounce a lot, I guess. But it turns into a situation where I don't play beats like. You know, it's like right, right. So the all the hi hat stuff is now on the snare, dude. This is really insightful. This is cool for me. Yep, and that way you can do one-handed drums too, which frees up your left hand to do keyboards or an accordion. Have you done keyboards? Yep. There's a guy on the internet. I think his name is Josh Dion. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. He's sick. That's uh, crazy, man. He sings too, right? Like, yeah. It's just like a one-man band. One-man band. I really think cool. uh, 
he has a band. It's a two piece. He plays the same same setup, but he has a bass player. Right. Um, it's called like something Paris. I'll, I'll find. I know it. who you're talking about. Yeah. It's really cool. So uh, rack tom, the ten inch rack tom. What do we have here? And like you said, this is an old head. <laughs> and that sounds like a stick. Yeah, this is a stick. You want okay. a brush? Yeah, let's hear the brush. It just makes the drums like, that way you can tune up your snare and it still kind of makes it like a fat. It's weird. I don't know. You're onto something. Yeah. You've been onto something. This is cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Hell yeah. I mean, in here, I have your talkback mic on still, mm -hmm. so there's a lot of that coming through, but that sounds really good. Sweet. I like I like these drums. Yeah, me too. And same thing for the floor. Okay, you, so you're going, so you say you have 10, 12, and a 16. Right now you just have the 10 and the 16, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's hear that floor, Tom. Right off the bat, I can tell what you mean without hearing that floor tom sustain. Yep. It's, uh, it sounds gated almost. I know, I love it. You know it. what I mean? That's and cool. And if you hit it soft, it, you can get a little more body out of it. You know? Like, yeah, yeah. I hear for the a rumble. lot of like, yeah. A lot of like, when we when we do break up the kit and we record and do like what I was talking about with Keith, we'll use like mallets on the, on the floor or something, you know, like this is the, the floor tom brushes. Dude, I really love hearing the attack of the brush on it's that. Nice. I got so used to it too, like like every night, you know, touring and doing that every night. Like that was like, and it like works out your your chops in such a different way too. Yeah. Cool, man. Yeah. So we've gone through everything. Uh, let's do a. Let's get a little example, I guess. Okay. I'm gonna just let you do whatever you want. Uh, your mic will be rolling, so if you want to like talk about what kind of groove you're playing. Well, I love ghost notes. This is brushes. Definitely a distinct difference between the two. The symbols are softer too. I wanted it to be like Bonham, you know, like John Bonham with brushes. Did you um? Did you do uh, like drumline or anything? I did. I loved it. I did snare for my my senior high school, and it was like. I did quints before that, and like in junior year, I was a quint player, and I moved up to snare, and I was like, "Oh fuck, this is like a whole different ball game." I had to play traditional; it was crazy, but it was so fun. That's cool. Do you miss that? I do. I miss drumline and stuff, like cadences and stuff like that. It was like, that was really enjoyable. I was just such a punk, though. Like, <laughs> I was like a fish head, like just jerk off when I was in high school. <laughs> 
and the, the band leader who was center snare like the guy who wrote all the cadences and stuff we were just butt heads all the time i didn't want anybody telling me what to do and shit so i quit which was a stupid move we're cool now but we were not cool for a while because i wasn't taking orders from nobody man rebel without a cause yeah i was stupid I'm trying to think i think we might be good on this tone zone is there anything Sweet. that we wanted to talk about specifically about the kit no, just check out Masters of Maple and, and hit him up and if you want a kit because he's the man and he makes awesome, awesome drums. All right, guys. Uh, thank you for listening. Um, this kit will be available online for download, so we're going to take some samples and maybe do a little bit of a loop pack as well. So cool. I'm not sure if that'll make it on there, but we'll see. Yeah. All right. Where can people find you on the internet? Um, I'm on Instagram at Timothy John Arnold. Um on Facebook and stuff like that. I pretty much just do Instagram. Cool. Um, and yeah, all all the bands and stuff. Anthony Green, Good Old War, Found Wild, all on Spotify. So I'll link all that in the show notes. Cool. But again, dude, thank you. This has been awesome. Hell Appreciate yeah. It. My pleasure. Oh yeah. Bye everyone. And that is how you record a podcast. You know, I'm really glad my cat Melvin made it into this one. I feel like Homer's always stealing the show. Anyways... Make sure you check out Tim on Instagram. His handle is at Timothy John Arnold. Like always, I'll link to that in the show notes at tonecatcher.com. When you get a chance, try to find Good Old War, Anthony Green, and Found Wild on Spotify. You won't be disappointed. Samples will be up on the website as soon as I get around to it. And then, hey, if you want to work together, recording, mixing, etc., hit me up. That's all for now. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next time. Bye.